0: most rewarding things. One, is I thoroughly enjoy it. The camaraderie with with the folks I ride with and getting connected with more people.
1: Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life From a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy. Today I welcome one of my epic life crew. If you remember Fanon and Leon that I had um, last year, around this time, he is also a part of my ski crew. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He, as a child, played all major sports. Baseball, basketball, football. He is an electrical engineer. He lives in the D.C., Maryland area, but is originally from Connecticut. He had his first introductory to casual biking, commuting wild, wild. He had his first introductory. He had his first introduction to cycling when he was in college, he used to commute. He had a hybrid. He thought 25 miles was a long distance at that time. In 1990, he took cycling a little bit more seriously and did a few multiple sclerosis rides from Richmond to Williamsboro. And in 1996, he did like a three day bike ride He actually trained. The first time he did it, he he just rode. And it was a little overwhelming. But when he did in 1996, three day he trained. He had a goal. All that went away when he bought a motorcycle. But in 2020, during the midst of COVID, doing a great bicycle boom, him and a few of our Epic Life friends started cycling just to be social, get out the house, do some things, and social distance, and it became a love, a passion. So welcome him today. We'll go into a little bit more about how COVID, the 2020 bicycle boom, helped morph him into an avid cyclist. Well, thanks for joining me today.
0: You're very welcome. This is fun. My first podcast.
1: <laughs> All right. Hopefully, it won't be your last. I have to catch you come back.
0: No, oh, absolutely.
1: So, tell me about sports that you participated in as a child.
0: My first love was baseball. Really? And okay. I'm the oldest of two. I have a younger brother. It's funny because you know I play bass guitar and I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I, we get it from our parents. We get it; it is passed down, but we get it the opposite way of most people think. My mom was the athlete. She played field hockey and basketball in high school. And my father played baritone in the band. So we get the music side from him and the athletic side from mom. And because my father was an athlete, I kind of got started late in everything. For example, Little League, most kids started nine, from nine to 12. I started when I was 11. Being the oldest, I was the guinea pig.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, youth basketball was 10 to 12. I started when I was 12. And I'm telling you right, those two formative years, I just know I would have been so much better without, I lost those. It's all good though. But my brother turned out to be really, really good. I mean, even walked on to UConn's basketball, all of them, baseball, basketball, football. Those are, we all played the same three, you know, because tennis and golf, uh, we didn't do those sort of things back then, you know. <laughs>
1: so why did you like baseball the most? Oh, watching the New York Mets.
0: That's, I didn't even okay. look at basketball or I started watching them. That was Watched whole games, had a little score sheet. And I'd sit there and keep score. Because, you know, there were no remotes back then. So you watched all nine innings. You know, you weren't flipping channels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And then basketball came. And then my high school years, I went to a small private school. And I was able to play football, basketball, and baseball in Excel. If I went to a public school, I don't know if i was really able to play all three. Because, you know, I'm kind of thin-dilled. But I got my behind crush playing football in a public school.
1: So what positions
0: did you play? Baseball, I played outfield. I loved outfield. Moved on to infield, sometimes playing softball in the last, like, maybe 10 years or so. I still play, except for this past year because bike riding took over that, so I didn't play this year. I kind of opted out because we were training, riding every Saturday. Then for basketball, I was a shooting guard. I got no handles, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I could shoot. And um, football, I played, uh, was it, cornerback and wide receiver
1: okay so both offense and
0: defense yeah yeah our school was small you know we didn't have offensive players and defensive players you played both sides of the line pretty much the whole game if you were good enough
1: what do you like better playing quarterback or wide receiver
0: um wide receiver why because i get the throw ball thrown to me make some moves get a touchdown hopefully no cornerback was fun i mean actually i like playing defense too so i mean if I only played one or the other, if we had enough people, it wouldn't really matter which one it was.
1: Okay. So when did you start cycling?
0: When I was in college, I moved off campus. I needed a way to get back and forth. It was only a couple of miles. So that's when I first started cycling, just going back and forth to for campus. And I remember a friend of mine, she asked me to do a 25-mile bike ride. And I thought that mm-hmm. was just like, oh my God, 25 miles. Whew, that's a long way. I mean, I went and got Epsom salts. I was preparing to take a to soak in the tub that night. Yeah, I had I had no, no reference of mine, you know? Uh uh-huh. What kind of bike did you have? I had a Mongoose, hybrid Mongoose. That's when I first started learning about, I didn't even know about road bikes. I just knew about the hybrids were like a combination of a mountain and road. Mm-hmm. So that's when I first started riding when I was uh, in school. And then after I moved to Maryland, somewhere around 93, some friends of mine, They decided to do one of the multiple sclerosis rides from Richmond to Williamsburg, stay the night in Williamsburg and come back. It was 80 miles each way.
1: Okay. So how long did it take you guys to do the 80 miles?
0: Oh, well, me, I was dragging rear because I I didn't know that I, I was going on youthful exuberance and i didn't know i needed to train
1: <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> you just got up and said, yeah
1: i'm riding 80 miles
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i was riding a little bit but i wasn't training as you know that's a, uh-huh. a big difference and so that first day we started in richmond and it like rained half the day i was miserable and somewhere along there i strained a tendon like in my knee so the next day i could do about 20 miles and i have to admit man they had to throw me in the sag wagon i was defeated and Most of our ride is like maybe ten of us, seven women and like three guys. So you know, my little ego was shattered. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, you know how they give for those organized rides, they give you a number for your bike and for your helmet, whatever, and your jersey. Mm -hmm. Well, my when I got home, I took my jersey and I put it on my refrigerator with magnet, and it sat there for a year until I trained properly and did the same ride the next year. Easily completed, came home, ripped that number off the refrigerator, mission accomplished. That was that was my motivation. I saw it every day, every day was on there. That was my motivation to get out there and do what I needed to do.
1: So how did you train at that time? How did you train for
0: that? I lived in Virginia at the time, and I was about a mile, if that far, from one of the trails. And I would jump on that trail. I would go west towards Reston, Virginia, towards like Dulles Airport. Or I would go east and go into D.C., down past National Airport, down Mount Vernon. And I just rode. I didn't have like a regiment I got to do 20 this day and 30 this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just rode. I just know I needed some time in the saddle. And that was pretty much it. Okay. And I did that ride with that group for like two or three years. And then a buddy of mine, him and I did the ride in 96. When we did that ride, when we got back, it was the same ride, Richmond to Williamsburg and back. When we got back, I saw something about the uh, age ride. And at this point, I was really in the cycling. It's like, oh, we need to do this again. Do this, do the age ride next year. And that was going to be from Raleigh, North Carolina to Washington, D.C. Four days, 365 miles. And I had a couple buddies and we trained. I would do, and plus they help you with your training. I would do a minimum. Here's where I finally put some metrics to it. I did like a minimum 50 miles a day on Saturday and Sunday um, for like seven weeks. And then during the week, I would sneak two rides in. Initially, it was like a quick 15 miles after work. And then it turned into 30 miles after work. So it was like at least 50 on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, and then 15 and then 30 during the week.
1: So about four days a week.
0: Yeah. So about maybe two weeks beforehand, we did a ride of 70 miles on one day, or 80 on one day, 70 the next day. And when I did that 80, I was really concerned. I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to do this ride. I was done. I could barely get back to my car. I drove home and sat on my couch. I just grabbed, I grabbed like a towel, threw it on my couch and just sat there for like a couple hours before I could even go take a shower. (laughs) But got the next day. I got up the next Mm -hmm. day and my body felt good. And so I went out there and I knocked out the 75 mile ride. No problem. My buddy and I, we went to a cookout after that. So that right there let me know that my body was going to recover. I did that every day. And then day of the, uh, the weekend of the ride, first day was insane. It was 112 miles. I think when I got to about 90, all I had in my head was, I'm not getting sagged. I'm not getting sad. I'm not getting <laughs> not I went by like one rest stop. I like, no, I can't wait. I can't take any time. I'll go. I'll do the tortoise thing, but I got to keep moving. And I I probably beat the sag wagon by about 20 25 minutes. It was getting dark when I got into the camp because you know, we uh, they had camp, uh, tents for us. Luckily, my tent mate was part of crew because it was like there were like 1400 riders and maybe 400 crew people on crew. And so my tent mate was crew. So luckily he built uh, my tent for us before I got there because I just would have grabbed my sleeping bag and slept under the stars that night. I had no energy. <laughs> You know, cause they, uh, they brought our luggage, you know, by truck, but even walking from the truck back, the tent grounds was like, I'd stopped, had dinner and just like, okay, I'm, I'm glad this is here. I was in my, my sleeping bag at like 9.30. <laughs> I felt okay because I knew the way I recovered from before the other ride. And so the next day was 65 miles, man, I blazed that. I was, I was in camp, the uh, next camp at one o'clock in the morning. I mean, one o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And then the next last two days were about 80, 85 each day. And it was, I won't say it was a piece of cake, but it it wasn't bad. It was good.
1: Because you trained for it.
0: Right. Because I trained. Lesson learned. (laughs) (laughs) So that was in 96, you said? 97. And my riding after that, I did a, matter of fact, black ski. I just met a whole bunch of folks. I just joined NBS that same year. And I was hanging out with the folks Black Ski, the DC club, and they did a few bike rides. Um, I did some with them and a few more, 98, 99, but nothing to the extent of the age ride. And then in 2001, I bought a motorcycle and- Oh
1: really? I didn't know you had a
0: motorcycle. I didn't get on a bike for 18 years. I go to my garage and I was like, hmm, did I want to do this or do I want to pedal? <laughs> and this took over.
1: So the motorcycle beat the bike.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't even close. One, it was something new. I had met a whole bunch of new people, met all these riders, folks, friends of mine. I didn't even know, either thought about riding or already had ridden. So a couple guys got bikes after I got mine. So it turned into a, a way of life. And that went on for a while. But then everyone I started riding with, you know, the crew started dissipating, like most, most crews. I, I call it the sniper started picking them off, you know, the marriage snipe. What, they can. Couldn't motorcycle after you got married or whatever. Uh, a couple, of, no, no. The uh, the mistress is like, no, I don't want you to do that. You know, especially if they started having kids. You know, so they were like, no, nah, motorcycle's done. And just life, life changes. You know, people are like, oh, I'm just kind of tired of this. So my crew was down to like one person and the last two or three years prior to COVID. I might have rid- ridden three times, and I'm like, I need to sell this thing, get it out of my garage, get it off my insurance. And then COVID came, and you know, and I'm I'm in the gym. I work I work at home, so I would go to LA Fitness like three days a week at lunchtime. I don't have to worry about the morning crowd, evening crowd. I go in and knock out my workouts. And then COVID hit, gyms are closed. What am I going to do? And I hate running, absolutely hate it with a passion. But I needed to do something.
1: Don't say that too loud. You know. I... <laughs> I know.
0: I know. I know. I know, what, I know what I'm talking to. So I started running. I had to maintain my, some, some cardio and some strength training. Yeah. And so my, from my house to the front of my subdivision is four tenths of a mile. The first day I ran, I got those four tenths and I was like, oh man, I got to walk now, but I stayed with it because then I need goals. So my goal was, I wanted to be a do, I wanted to do a 5k in the next couple of months. And so was that 3.1 miles. So I got up to Two and a half.
1: When did it start? Like in March of
0: 2020? Yeah, yeah. COVID started, shut down March 13th. Probably two weeks later, I started running. And I wasn't doing it every day, but I was building up. My endurance my was getting better and better. And I think I got to up to two and a half miles without stopping or walking. And the couple of days later, uh, one of our ski friends, because after the J- Japan trip in 2018, we created a, a WhatsApp group in the D.C. area called Epic Fam DMV. Because at that time, Tariq had just moved to DMV, Gwen George, Gina Davis. So it was a way for them to connect with us because we didn't know them. You know, I, I knew Tariq, but the others I hadn't met before in Japan. So we started that. And then one of the guys was in there, uh, Dubois Ford. One day he put in the group chat. It's like, hey, I'm doing a 10-mile bike ride. Who wants to go? And at that point, we had been sheltered in place for like two months. I had seen one person during that time. So I went out. I didn't have a bike. I went out there to say hello to people because I hadn't seen anybody. <laughs> and I think 10 people. So you just,
1: you just, you didn't have a bike. You just said, hey, I'm just no, going to join them. I
0: just went out there to say hello. Uh, I, needed, I, needed, I needed some camaraderie just for five, 10 minutes. And they did a very leisurely 10 miles, I think maybe 10 people. And then after that ride, it's like, oh, let's do this again next week. So I borrowed a buddy's bike next week. And we did, we planned to do like 16 miles. We started at National Harbor and went up pat to National Airport, which is about eight miles each way. So what kind of bike did you have? It was a hybrid. And then I found out, you know Cree, right? Cree Williams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had found a company. It wasn't even a company because, you know, most bikes you rent, they want 20 30 $40 a day. She found a company in DC called Bikes DC. They're right downtown near the mall. And they basically rent bikes, scooters, segways to tourists. And because of the pandemic, they cut their prices down. They were written hybrid Cannondale hybrids for one thirty-five a month, compared to thirty or forty today. Yeah, so Cree, Gwen, myself, we all snatched up those hybrids, you know. And I just kept it every month because I actually got laid off right after the pandemic started. So that was kind of you know kind of saved some money. And so that was right in the budget. That was in the budget. I can do that, maintain. And that whole riding thing became a coping mechanism for everybody, you know, because there was nothing else to do.
1: Because y'all could get together, be outside.
0: Right, exactly. Everyone felt, felt comfortable riding with each other outside. And we would stop somewhere because Cree mapped out everything. We would ride 10, 15 miles, stop, have some, meat, have lunch somewhere, grab some food, sit out in the park and do the rest of the ride. But slowly but surely, the rides kept getting longer <laughs> and longer, probably 15, then 20, then 30. I think we actually did a 55 to 60-mile ride one day. Now, mind you, I'm on a hybrid. No big deal. But none of us, except for Michelle and Doug Rogers.
1: Because they've been riding for a while.
0: Yeah, they're on road bikes. They're clipped in. Did you have a kit and stuff? Hybrids, gym shorts, and sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> Gym shorts, sneakers, hybrids. Uh, that was our plan. And then, towards the summer, end of the summer, fall, because it was a mixture of guys and girls that I was riding. We had about maybe twelve to fifteen show up every week. All of a sudden, the guys started getting road bikes, and Kareem and I, we were still on our hybrids. And so Kareem and I, we started riding a lot more because he lives about six miles from me. So he became my ace riding partner. And so the end of November. I turned that bike in, but I found out that they were selling them if you wanted it.
1: Oh, they were selling the bikes that they were renting?
0: Yeah. I just started working at Microsoft, and for half that year, even though I started where a month and a half, they were giving us $400 for fitness for me. So the bike was 375 So I went and bought that hybrid, and Microsoft paid for it. <laughs> nice.
1: that's That's wonderful. I'm glad your yeah. job has something like that.
0: This year for 2022 is 1500.
1: That's great. I need to work for Microsoft, even though I wouldn't know nothing about it. But I like that benefit. though. <laughs> I'm the IT
0: guy. You're the surgeon. You know <laughs> benefit because a lot of places don't do that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because it was 1200 for 2021, so they paid for my gym membership, which I renewed, and then when I'll get to this part about the road bike. So Kareem bought a road bike. He got a Giant. A buddy of mine had just bought like um, was it Pirelli, Pinelli, or something like that. So he had a one that he was just sitting there. He said, "Yo, man, why don't you use this?" And so let me back up on the hybrid. When I bought it, before I bought it, I did get toe straps. You know that whole clipping thing was like
1: you were not ready for the clipping
0: yet. Yeah, okay. yeah. So l- let me go back to the age ride. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was on a hybrid for three hundred sixty-five miles. Wow. i didn't know anything about bikes yeah i wasn't clipped in i did have the toe straps because i heard that would give me more efficiency but i figured that was safer than going to to clip-ins so anyway my buddy gave me his bike and i as soon as he gave it to me i went and changed out the pedals and got toe straps i knew i was comfortable in those then kareem got his bike he got clipped in i'm on the toe strap finally i got a fitting you know, even though the bike wasn't for me, you know it was a little bit bigger because Carl's a little taller, the guy who loaned it to me. They made some adjustments, like pulled like some of the handlebars back you know with a
1: yeah, the best they could,
0: yeah, yeah, right. I couldn't find shoes, so I remember one day I was riding with my friend Val, and Val's done like thirteen seagull centuries, okay, so of course, she was dropping me like a bad habit, and then while we were riding, I could see her in the distance, uh, this lady came up behind me and passed me. And she got to Val and they started talking. And it was the same folks that did my fitting Uh, as a a husband and wife team, Chris and Teresa. They used to own Bike Doctor. They used to own um, bike doctor in Waldorf. They sold it and decided they just do professional fittings. Chris is awesome. Her husband is the bomb. And I think all of getting it in, that group in DC, I think all of them go to Chris. Okay. (laughs) So she saw me. She's like, Where are your shoes? You need to to get clipped in. I said, I can't find them. Because I had, because you know, back finding a bike, finding shoes was hard back then.
1: Yeah, because everybody was biking.
0: Right, she said. Well, we have some come by the shop. I took the bike by the shop. Chris got me adjusted, we, you know, retrofitted again. Got clipped in. I practiced, you know, in the while we had it on the stationary. And I got home for forty five minutes. I live on a cul de sac, so forty five minutes. I rode up and down my cul de sac, clipping in, clipping out, clipping in, clipping out. Then I started creating. I started creating real world scenarios, like, "Oh shoot, here's a car! Clip uh-huh. out okay. clip. I started doing emergency clip outs. You know, one foot left, okay. foot, right foot <laughs> left foot. You know, mm-hmm. or I would clip out. I would light change. Let me just clip back in while I'm still moving. Any, almost every possible scenario I could think of, I started doing that. And to this day, not going. I have not fallen. <laughs> you haven't fallen on your bike at all. Or- I have not clipped in. I have not fallen. It came close one time. I went with Kareem and my friend Val and her friend Amy, and I have cleat covers because I have the SPD-SL mm-hmm. this is SPD SL cleats. Because it's SPD SPD SL Delta looks, and I think something called Speed Play. Um, so SPD SPD SL, yeah, SPD SL looks like the Delta looks. You know, it's kind of a triangle type thing, and I have cleat covers for them. So if I you know stop somewhere long enough, I can walk around, kind of like you know ski boot covers, you know. Yeah, we get way to ride one day. I clip it on my right foot. I go to clip it on my left. I'm like, oh, I can't get in. And I look I down. Cover on. The cover is on. And when I look down, my my weight started going to the right. No, started going to the right. Nope. Wait, it <laughs> was Everything I could to keep my upper body going left while my lower body was going right. And I did an emergency clip out, got my foot down <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't fly. what's good. Because they heard all that noise behind them. They all stopped It would look like, What's the problem? And they're like, You almost went. I said, Almost don't count. I got my foot down. It don't matter. To this day. It don't matter. I know. I know. You're good.
1: Because but- I've fallen I once clipping. Well, clip related. I've fallen other times. But clip related once when I, tra- I change clips, and it, it depends on the clip. It's different how you get in and out. And anyway, I, I just got them and I was riding to a class, actually, class, the trainer class. And when I get, well, I couldn't get out, but it was like the crack of dawn. No one saw me. <laughs> I got up and then when I went to the class, I just practiced when I was on the train and I figured it out. It was a little different mechanic. So, but that's the only time I've fallen clipping wise, but I've fallen otherwise.
0: Yeah. I'm still zero, zero. Cause one of the guys, DJ, I don't think you've met him. He's been on a few ski trips, but he rides with us. He got clipped in and, you know, he came in our group chat and said, these things are evil. And he said, you know, if we're keeping score. He said, DJ zero, clip-ins two, okay? <laughs> so after I took a, a few rides like of more than like 15 miles, clipped in you know, having to clip-in, clip-out, I went on a group chat. I said, Carson zero, clip-in zero. I said, my goal is to keep the score tied as long as possible. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know one of these days is going to happen, but not yet.
1: No, it might not. I mean, I'm saying you might fall for other reasons, which is usually me. But it's weird. last time I fell, the only time I've fallen hard. I don't even recall clipping in and out. I just remember hitting the, the sidewalk. I don't. I don't remember the. I don't remember the mechanism because I thought I would hurt my leg, but I wound up hurting my arm when I hit the ground. But I don't even know how I got out. I don't recall. Maybe because I'm so I automatically do it. If even if I think I'm gonna stop, I just clip out one leg. Right. Exactly. It's like a reflex.
0: Uh, have you met Ron Aaron's? he's the beard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So last year, he's on a even when he got his uh road bike cuz he's one of the first guys to get a road bike. He's like, "Oh, hell no. I'm not clipping in." So he had st- toe straps also. And our first ride of uh 2021, Ron shows up, he's clipped in cuz he started riding with GII and you can't be with GII and not be clipped in. <laughs> Getting it in. Yeah. You know, they're serious riders. You can't be with them and not be clipped in. So he showed up and he said what he did But when he decided to do it, he would ride behind Michelle and he just watched her, you know, what? when she clipped out, when she clipped back in, that whole thing. He just, you know, he studied her, her movement. He clipped in and, yeah, and then all, the rest of us started doing it too. So um, I think Kareem went first and the day he did it, he rode around. We were, we met at a park. He just rode around in, the, in and outside the park till we uh, got started because. That day, Ron forgot his shoes, so he had to go back home and get them. So we just waited for him in Korean practice. And then once we got out there, it was a game changer, you know. And then um, then the kits started coming, you know. <laughs> yeah, I got rid of the, the, the shorts. Got rid of the shorts, yeah, because we want to spend more time in the saddle. Cause
1: yeah, you need some cushion. You need some padding down there.
0: Some cushion on the cushion. So they just – someone <laughs> – decided, let's do the Seagull century. They keep saying it was me. I, I, you know, categorically deny. They keep throwing the blame on me, you know. (laughs) So, when we decided, Kareem and I started riding and I remember, we were probably in the 40, 50 mile range as far as distances. And I just know, I was doing 50, man. I get home and I'm like, man, I'm beat. And I remember one day, Kareem was like, yo, we gotta do 65 today. So, it was uh, Kareem, myself, Ron, and two other people. So we did a ride down from my house, because a lot of times we started at my house, I'm in Bowie, and we went out towards, towards the bay, you know, south of Annapolis. It was like 21 miles there, 21 back. So we got back, and um, the other three, they were done. And I got off my bike, and uh, Kareem was like, all right, you ready? And If he didn't say that, I would have been good sitting there after a nice 42 miles. <laughs> He's like, y'all got to train for this century. Yeah, yeah. He's like, let's <laughs> go. I was like, all right. So that day, we got a metric century in. We did 65. And we felt good. And then next you know, we started amping it up. But then, you know, the seagull is flat, but you got those heads and crosswinds. And so I had to get my mind right about that. So two weeks before the ride, I went down into D.C. Uh, are you familiar with Haynes Point? Mm-hmm. It's like a little peninsula in D.C. area, but it's flat. It's like, you know, you go down about it's like a three-mile loop, or you go take a longer loop, and go past the MLK Memorial. It's five miles, and so that was my training regimen that that Saturday. Gwen popped out. She did fifteen miles with me, but I ended up doing sixty-five that day.
1: Train you for the wind because it's real windy and flat.
0: Yeah, it's wind because one side you got a tailwind. You make a hundred eighty-degree turn, a big um, U-turn coming up the other way, was a hairpin, whatever, and. That headwind smacks you. I mean, you could be doing nineteen, twenty, flying down one side. Now you're doing 12, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, I want to get used to that. And so, and I knew the uh, rest stops were like every 20 miles for the Seagull. So what I did was where I parked at 20 miles, I stopped at my car and treated it as a rest stop. You know, as if I was on a a route, because uh, I was just doing loops. And then out there doing another 20, came back. And so the following Saturday, Kareem and Ron met me down there. Michelle came out. But she only could do like 25, and some of the other folks that were part of our crew when we initially started that fell off when the world kind of opened back up a little bit. <laughs> uh
1: huh. They were like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna do this
0: bike thing." Okay. Yeah, yeah. They came. A few of them came out. They did like 15 miles with us, you know. And but it was so funny because Kareem, Kareem was there. He beat me there. Deron Ron got there, and another guy came out. And so we were sitting there talking, and Michelle rolled up, and she's like, "Wow, I feel like the proud mama. Look at y'all." Y'all got these fancy, expensive bikes. Mm -hmm. Y'all all all kitted out. Y'all all all clipped -clipped in. in. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, like, my boys have grown up, you know? (laughs)
1: Season three, we will continue the new segment called Ask the Dove. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal injuries or muscular skeletal health, go to my website, www.weoulifeweoulove.com, click on the tab voicemail, leave your voicemail, and select messages will be aired and answered on the segment. Now, back to the show. So if it wasn't for COVID, you think you would be cycling now like
0: you no, are? No, no, nope, no, no, nope, no, not at all. It wasn't even only because Dubois said, let's go for a ride. I mean, Kareem put it this way. Kareem had a high, had his hybrid before we got our road bikes. we were still pushing the hybrids a little bit. And we did a uh, 20 miles one day and we did like an hour and 15 minutes. And he made a comment. He's like, yeah, this was great because I remember doing 20 miles in my neighborhood by myself. And it took me two and a half hours. So it caused a lot of us to to be turned, like a lot of people turning to riders. And I'm sure I wouldn't have done it if COVID never hit. You know, maybe I would have picked up, but not to the level where we're knocking out 100 mile rides. And I have some friends in Massachusetts. There's a ride up there they did last year called the Pan Mass Challenge. It's like to raise money for cancer. I can't remember the name of the organization right now. So I just signed up. Two weeks ago, to do that with them, August 6th and 7th. So it's going to be eighty miles each day. And then Kareem just Kareem just texted a group about doing One Love in September.
1: Yeah, you got to come to One Love. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: y'all got to do some hill training for that before y'all do that.
0: Oh yeah, well see, that's the good thing. We always you know, we park right near my house. It's rolling hills. These are
1: more than rolling hills. So just be prepared. they're a lot of false flats. It's like you're riding, and you're like, why am I going slow? And then you realize you're on a hill.
0: <laughs> if you stop pedaling, you'll come to a stop.
1: <laughs> and, then, and then it's hot.
0: Yeah. Well, Kareem and I decided we talked today. Yeah.
1: I plan on going to.
0: I said, Kareem and I talked today and we're talking about One Love. And he's like, yeah, but I hear it's hill. He said, I'm okay doing a metric. <laughs> okay. I said, all right. <laughs> Whatever we'll floats your boat. You know, but doing that and then, you know, we could definitely going to do the seagull again.
1: All right. I might come back. I might come back to the seagull.
0: Okay. Yeah, that'd be great.
1: They were saying that the cycling boom of two twenty, like one in ten Americans either started back riding, they hadn't ridden a bike in a year or more due to COVID. So it really brought a lot of cyclists Yeah out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so I sold my motorcycle uh July of twenty twenty. Now I got a new squad, you know, it's it's my cycling crew, you know. I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed riding with the folks I had, the friends I uh, I rode with, it was a good time. Grabbing some uh, lunch or dinner or whatever, you know, was always cool. Mm-hmm. But like I said, with uh, with the crew dissipating, like what was next? And cycling just kind of like, I just traded my two wheels for two wheels, you know, which is healthier and hopefully safer.
1: <laughs> so what do you find to be the re- most rewarding aspect of cycling?
0: It's a camaraderie. I mean, I think like Kareem and I, you know, we're like 15 years apart. But we've become like, you know, that's like my brother now.
1: I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cream is 43. I'm 58. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I know I don't look it in the baby face. And I, I guess I cut all my hair off, got rid of all the facial hair. You know? <laughs> I think the most rewarding thing is one is I thoroughly enjoy it. The camaraderie with, with the folks I ride with and getting connected with more people. Like, for example, the Getting an In crew, they're doing during the off season. They do invite the bike clubs to come go bowling. So we'll be bowling tomorrow night. Oh, nice. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So i met some other, I mean, I went one week because I've, I've been pretty much in Connecticut this whole time. So I went two weeks ago and I was home. And right off the bat, you know, met some new people. You know, of course, it's all riders. So we're we'll building up that camaraderie because, you know, a lot of times you get on the bikes, you don't really have a chance to really talk and meet people. You know, you got the A team out there and, you know, they're blazing they ain't trying to like chit chat, you know? <laughs> no. So I think this bowling thing is, is a, it's a good camaraderie. I'm glad I could, like telling somebody the other day, I can check my ego at the door because I did a ride with uh, getting it in about, December. I think it was like early December. And I remember there's a, a group of young ladies, about six or seven of them that went by me twice talking about train on your left, you know? <laughs> and they just blew by me like I was standing still almost, you know? But I was cool with that. I've been on a road bike for less than a year. Some of them have been riding five, six, seven, eight years. And, you know, that doesn't bother me. You know, I do what I do what I can. And, but yeah. it's getting good because I've gotten better, I've gotten stronger. You know, I track my stats all the time. And sometimes cause I remember one day Kareem asked me, he goes, do you push yourself when we're not together? I said, absolutely. I I'm, I got goals. So I try to do exactly what we do as if you were here. You know, I don't go out mm-hmm. and just leisurely ride anymore. It's just like, okay, I'm getting it in. So
1: you never do a
0: leisure leisure ride. I only way I do a leisurely ride if I'm riding with somebody that's not where I am. Like how okay. people said, "Yo, I want to do a ride, but I'm not where you are." I said, "No, I'll ride with you." Those days I'll do a leisurely ride. It's like on the mountain, you know. You have sometimes you want to you want to spend some time with somebody that's not on your ski level, so you kind of ratchet it down a little bit. But when you get with the crew that you know is going to like make you raise level your game, you're like okay, let's go.
1: Okay. All right. All right. So do you usually, you ride by yourself, and you ride with like okay, Kareem, and you ride with get it, Getting It In? Am I saying it correctly,
0: the group? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we try, the, the the folks that are part of our Epic crew, we try to get together, mm-hmm. you know, as much as possible. Because Ron, he's a little bit stronger rider than I am, but, you know, we can try to stay together and DJ and Michelle. So we all try to get together when we can. Okay. And that's why we all get together for the, uh, for the Seagull Century.
1: Do you ride with other groups as well, other than getting it in? And
0: yeah, as a matter of fact, there's another group called AVS, Always Visualize Success. They're a new group. Okay. They've done a couple rides, but they were pretty much no drop rides because I guess their their mantra is they're not only just riding; they're promoting black businesses because there's a a black business, PJ's Coffee House, uh, that just opened up in the last couple of years. So. Their impetus was like, oh, we're going to meet there, and we're going to support this coffee house. Um, and they have they have um, beignets as well, so that's always a nice little thing after a ride, hot chocolate and beignets. And they like New Orleans
1: beignets.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay, just like okay. Cafe <laughs> Du <Dumont. laughs>
1: Okay, okay, all right, all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I posted something. I said, you know, I did a ride with GII. The temperature when we started was about forty degrees. And prior to that, you know, Kareem and I were talking and like every other package that came from Amazon had warm weather bike gear. You know, I got long pants, I got socks, I bought gloves, you know, a jacket. So when I did that ride, I was like, yeah, this truly has become a lifestyle uh, because we're out here in this cold weather. But I think it's also the camaraderie that day ABS did their first ride. They had about 80 people out there, you know. And it was a no-drop ride, so you, 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 were, you were chatting with folks and everything, so it was pretty cool. But it turned into a drop ride the last three or four miles, because then people are like, "Okay, I'm ready yeah. to that." <laughs> yeah, <You know? laughs> like you gonna make it back? You good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know are. yeah, you know where we are. You know where we are. You know. Yeah, I know how that,
1: those rides are. Yeah, you know how to get back. Yeah, you got our un- yeah, if Something exactly happens.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And what's so funny? So the people I trained with for the Seagull Century. I roll with them all of like the first three miles of the ride. When we got started, DJ and Michelle, they were doing the metric. So they broke off after the first three or four miles anyway on a different route. And uh, we couldn't find Ron when we started.
1: Ron was doing his own thing. Every time I saw him, I'm like, where's Eric and Kareem? Like, they coming.
0: Other guy, Chris, was uh, out there with us. He was doing the uh, Century. And within like five mile five, he just kind of like took off. And Kareem followed him. I'm like, where y'all going? We got 95 miles to go. Pace yourself. So I didn't see Chris no more till I got to the car at the end of the ride. I caught up with Ron and Kareem at some of the rest stops. And then Kareem had a flat tire at about mile 72. And we fixed it because I learned my lesson. I had a flat, and then I went on YouTube, figured out how to fix a flat. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, he hadn't done that, so pretty much. I fixed his tire, and then he got on, and then he was behind me. Next I know, I thought he was right behind me. He called me. I guess there was a, a metal sliver in the tire, and it, yeah, it punctured it again. And unfortunately, he could have finished the ride, but he got sagged. But I know he could have finished the ride because we've been training. I knew, I knew what he could do. I felt worse than he did. He's like, man, nah, I know I could have done it. I said, I know, but, you know, this was like our thing. Yeah, You were my main riding partner. We had to get this together, you know. Was that the most challenging
1: ride you ever did?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But going back to my 93 mantra where I put my number on my refrigerator, I got to train. And that's what we did. I felt good when I got done. I mean, I know my, my average speed for the whole day was uh, like 15, 15.3 miles an hour. So I was good with that. You know, now next year it's going to be a little higher. 16, 17, hopefully. Okay.
1: So what's your on your bucket list as far as cycling?
0: europe because uh, a lot of folks go over there and do rides throughout italy and stuff like that so you know now we now we're ready to take our show on the road Like so that's why I, I signed to do the mat, that pan mass challenge in august like i said we were chatting today to what's a game plan for uh one love so when it come down there and hit that too you know it's it's uh, it's a lifestyle now and plus i'm still getting my gym time and not so much at la fitness but one of my buddies he started riding with us until he's like y'all about y'all above my pay grade but he pretty much has a uh, full-service gym in his house, minus some leg equipment. So him and I work out once a week. And, you know, working out with somebody is a game-changer that holds you accountable. It's been, that's been really great working out with him this past, a little over a year now. Okay. So I was able, I maintain, able to maintain my strength. I'm definitely getting my cardio in. I could definitely feel that I've even trimmed down a little bit from all the riding. Like I said, I started traveling, hit other spots in here. I uh, met some friends, some of, my, some of my coworkers I just met. Live up in the Jersey area. And so one of them, he wants to do a ride from like Philly down to Atlantic City or something like that. So now it's just going to spread the wealth because I'm still going to try to play softball because. You stop running? Oh, yeah. The day the day Dubois said, let's do a 10 mile <laughs> bike ride and I rode the following weekend, I haven't run since.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All
0: right. Do you have a trainer? I don't. So what what I've done. Cause like now, I would LA Fitness is about four miles from my house when I'm in Bowie, and it's like ten minutes from my mom's house here in Connecticut. And so I would do spin classes, but I got to a point like I hate doing this cardio with a mask on. So what I decided I would go to I would go to the spin room when they don't have a class and just go way to the back, take my mask off, and I don't need a, a an instructor to push me. I know what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. So like one of my regimens, I would do set the resistance at a certain number and keep a um, cadence of 80. And then I do it for five minutes. Then I increase the resistance and I get out the saddle for five minutes. And then I'll come back and I'll go five, 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 five for anywhere from like from 50 minutes up to an hour. Okay. And so kind of monitoring, you know, like right, my cadence at a certain resistance. So then I'll raise that resistance and try to keep the same cadence as, as I go on. But as I started to climb, got the saddle, I would increase the resistance by one each time to make it a little tougher.
1: Okay. first we we stopped doing organized riding and we started back, but I wasn't comfortable being around people, so I wore a mask riding, and because we be on each other, because you know we'd be pacing line, you like you, and no one else wore a mask, so I was like, I wore my good mask. And but and then I had COVID in March, so I was like, Am I out of shape? Am I out of breath? Is it the mask? It was a whole bunch. But I'm like, I'm just happy to be outside. So I was like, Deal with it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. was hard to breathe. <laughs> and those rides are hard, so you be booking, trying to not get dropped, basically.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I, like I said, since I'm a fairly new rider, I'm okay getting dropped. You know, <laughs> because it's part it's part of the process, part of the growing pains.
1: It's true, but you try not to. I mean, you hold the wheel as right. long you Right, you try can. not
0: to. For, for example, um, even though I didn't see my crew during the Seagull, I think after mm-hmm. the first rest stop, I caught some of the um Getting It In crew because they brought like about 125 people out there. They had a squad. So I found some of them and I hooked up with one group and I think I rode pace line with them all the way to the next rest stop. And it just felt good.
1: You make a lot of friends in
0: yes. organized
1: ride because I don't usually ride with people. I I like to go my pace and then I don't you know so and then they have rest stops and sags, so it's like everybody gonna be okay so
0: right exactly you know and the thing is you know Ryan was uh, getting it in you know they they some of those folks are gone but yeah everyone's not on that same level you know they got a riders they got b riders they got c riders yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah and what was crazy is I don't know if you know but there is a couple of those folks that did that 100 miles in four hours so them Bammas were averaging 25 miles an hour i'm just like Phew.
1: yeah that wasn't me but i didn't train for that uh that um ride so <laughs> I, I was supposed to do the metric
0: right exactly i was telling someone about you the other day i said yeah i was talking about my podcast and who i was doing the podcast with i said yeah she's a, she's a badass because she came out they do 65 miles, and next thing I know, she's doing 100, you know?
1: <laughs> and I'm like, how did I get talked into this? Oh, it was good, but it kicked my butt. But I don't know. I, I, I enjoy a challenge, I guess, but, and, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what it was. When we decided to do the Seagull, it became a challenge. It's like, okay, now let's prep for this. And most of the time, I roll with Kareem or the crew, but there were times like, you know, I just roll by myself because I just wanted to get it in. And I got, I got to a point where it was so bad. You know, when I was up here in Connecticut for the last few weeks, I went home two weeks ago to back to Maryland and I checked the weather because I wanted to get a ride in that weekend. But that Saturday, it was going to be a high of 27 degrees. I was like, oh, hell no. OK, yeah. I, I, you know what? I don't need to do that. So Friday, my company, we have every other Friday, we get a half day. They tell us to unplug at one o'clock. And I checked the weather from like two o'clock to five o'clock. It was about forty-six degrees. I'm like, okay, I've done forty-degree temperatures. I got the gear for it, and I snuck in a quick twenty-mile ride, you know, Friday at Friday afternoon because Saturday was a no, was was not going to happen.
1: No, no, you would no. That's too cold. I think the coldest I've ridden is high thirties, low forties, maybe.
0: See, if it's high thirties when we start, I'm good. But anything below that, uh, I, I'll just I'll tap out.
1: Can you tell me about an obstacle, whether it be cycling or anything else that you've had to overcome?
0: I think what was really weird, about 10 years ago, I had this rare blood disorder called TTP. If you know what that means, I can't pronounce it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know why it happened. And um, they treated it with plasmapheresis and But the thing about it, it didn't knock me down because even when I was getting outpatient treatment, I could still do everything I normally did. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't travel. You know, I'm doing my band. I'm doing my gigs. I'm working out. I'm doing everything I normally could. And then one day they put me on prednisone. And over the next three months, because, you know, prednisone, they got to wean you off. They kept dropping the dosage like every couple of weeks. And then when they stopped it, the whole time they dropped the dosage, my platelet count stayed normal. And they stopped it and that was 2011 and i've been pretty much fine ever since you know no no issues at all so so that wasn't a, a major obstacle and i've been fortunate not to have any major injuries or anything like that that prevents me from doing whatever i've wanted to do so in that regards i'm fortunate and a lot of it's just like it was a mental challenge decide to do 40 and 50 and 60 and you know once you knock it out you know and you realize you didn't die it's like, oh, okay, I can do this again, you know? So, (laughs) yeah, so I, I can't really say that I had some challenge or obstacle that I overcame, especially on the athletic front. Pretty much, I've been able to do everything I wanted to do. I've never had many, any major injuries, sprained ankle here, Mm -hmm. a crooked pinky here, you know? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the extent of it. So, um, can't really pinpoint anything as far as a major major obstacle you know at least, at least not in my sporting life
1: okay would you ever consider um crit racing on site site you ever see the um the guys it's like they ride a that's a closed loop like in in a circle and they, they race they crash a lot have you ever seen one of those races before criterium
0: like in the velodrome velodrome or whatever something like that
1: these are outside but it's, it's kind of similar as far as there is a it's like a circle and some are longer distance than others, um, like the shorter, like non-pro races are like 20 minutes and they can be up to an hour, the pros. Um, mm. But they ride around in, in a loop and it, it's a pack of people. So it's like you're in a pace line and all these people are around you, they get a lot of crashes. But it's, it's kind of it's interesting to see. I've done it a few times. I suck at it, but it's fun because you, you ride fast. <laughs> it's fun, right, right, it's right, really right, 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 cool. right. Because you have people like right on you.
0: Yeah, I think that might be something I might look forward to in a couple of years as I get my, you know, my speed up, <laughs> you know, because it it's no fun if they're going to drop me right off the bat, you know, within the first mile.
1: Well, see, you, you set separate goals. Like, when I do it, I just do it. it it's good training, and it, it helps you, like, with speed and endurance because you have to basically ride fast for two minutes. But it, it's a strategy to win. But, like, my, my goal is not to win. It's usually, like, to hang with the pack, and then if I get dropped – right. Is not to get lapped. So I mean, it's things that you work
0: on, right? Right? Right, while right? you're
1: trying to get up to there. So, but it, it does, and just trying to even hold a wheel.
0: Yeah, like I said, when I started running, you know, that first time out was like, you know, who this is crazy. But then once I set a goal, it's like, okay, I was building up towards that. So I guess right now I'll, I'm gonna keep building my goals as far as my cadence and my speed and endurance, and then that that's gonna be my my uh, my thing right now, you know and Kind of keep up with like, you know, catch up to other folks that, that are that are stronger riders than I am, you know, or at least try to. That's going to be my my goal for going into into twenty two.
1: So, any last minute words of advice, my listeners, in regards to cycling or anything else? you want Yeah, to
0: I I would say if it's something you really want to do, man, find find folks. Unless unless you're good, just being by yourself and pushing yourself, finding folks to ride with that have the same passion it makes it a little easier, you know, it makes it a little more enjoyable. Even though Kareem and I, um, some days he gets a, you know, a bug up his behind and he drops me, it's still an enjoyable ride because I try to keep up the best I can, <laughs> you know. So uh, for those who are looking to get into it, start out slow. If you want to be a daredevil and get clipped in right off the bat, uh, go for it. But pace yourself and find folks that, you know, you can pace yourself with, you know, that wanna, that can grow that you can grow with. That's the one thing, good thing we did we all kind of grew together, you know, while we were doing this because of COVID, and then that's why then it got serious. And you saw the ones that were serious about it came out and did the seagull because then we had, like I said, I think I told you we had a separate Epic Fam DMV for everybody. Then we separated that to us Epic Fam DMV bike crew because we didn't want to keep blowing up people's regular WhatsApp group. But then when the seagull came around, we had to create another one called the Seagull Centurions, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then y'all gonna have to make the one love one for this year.
0: Yeah. Kareem is definitely down. I believe Ron is. I think a few of us are going to come down here. Oh, and then yesterday, a buddy of mine, he texted me about doing the five borough bike ride in New York. And I think it's May 1st.
1: Some people from Chicago go up there sometimes for it. Last year, they went up there for it.
0: Yeah, I've done it twice. I did it in 89, and I did it in 2000. I, I threw it in our in our bike group chat yesterday. Is it any interest? And then, you know, a couple of people, Michelle chimed in, Paul chimed in, and so uh, we might be doing that also, you know. But, you know, that's not like a really strong ride, because I, I, the times we start the first couple miles, there's so many people at the start near Battery Park. So we're considering, like, you know, I know someone said, like, yeah, it's going to be a lot of people in close proximity when you get started, so depending on how COVID is at that time, it may you know, we may not have to do it. So we'll have to see, you know, we're going to kind of play it by ear and see what, see what it looks like. And, you know, March, April, if we can still register, but if not, is this all good?
1: So where can people find you if you want to be found?
0: Oh, you can find me on Facebook and find me on Instagram. Where's my phone at? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember my handle. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. My phone's acting up. I think my Instagram is, uh, E. Carson323.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for joining me
0: again. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. This was uh, this was cool.
1: That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy Podcast on Apple Spotify. Or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email Running it, Therapy OLB Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Running Is it, Therapy Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life we love. Oh, you are life. Oh, you are love. Thank you. And please tune in again.